0: The information we provide in this podcast is for entertainment and informational purposes only. It should not be used in the place of advice from a mental health medical professional for prevention, diagnosis, or treatment of any other illness. If you're struggling with mental health issues, please seek professional help. The opinions shared in this podcast are our own and do not necessarily reflect those of our employers. Thank you for listening.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Here Comes a Thought podcast. I am Jan Ramos, and I am accompanied by Secret Agent Kat LaForgia. Hi! And uh, Master Survivalist Mark Quiris. Hello! And today, we're going to discuss Episode 29, Secret Team, and Episode 30, Island Adventure of
2: Steven Universe. Thanks for clarifying what show we're exactly talking about. I mean, I don't think it was obvious. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, people have been listening to this podcast going, I have no clue what TV show they've been talking about this whole time.
2: Is this Star versus the Forces of Evil? What?
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm sorry to break it to you, audience. All these episodes were not on yeah. Star and the Forces of Evil.
0: It wasn't Great show, on Teen Titans?
1: Way. Nope. Nope, S- not Teen Titan, Steven Universe.
2: Alright. Alright. Well, let's just dive right into Secret Team, shall we? So Splash. <laughs> <laughs> so Secret Team I kinda is- wish
0: we had sound effects now.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Slightly delirious. Sorry. Secret
0: team. Secret team.
2: Secret <laughs> team. Alright, so secret team is <laughs> is, uh, it kind of starts off with, oh, oh man, oh no, I think I might be losing my synopsis powers.
0: <gasps> you Hold can on. do
2: this. All right, so it starts off with Steven in the temple, I believe. Yes, he's, amethyst. In amethyst, he's in Amethyst's room, and they're, they're jumping off her, her, her junk, and <laughs> <laughs> the, her piles of junk, her, her okay. actual <laughs> piles of junk, Okay. Okay. Into the into these ponds and and the river that is in the temple.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So amethyst creates this big pile and tells Stephen to jump off of it. And when he so he does, and he goes through the pond, but then the pond, the little puddle I should say that he jumps into ends up taking him to Pearl's room, where he's watching Pearl interact with this bubble. And then Amethyst comes up and realizes that she's messing with a a rose quartz bubble. So Amethyst decides to go and play a prank on her by scaring her with the bubble. And then they get into an argument about why she has the bubble, ultimately popping the bubble and letting loose all of these gem shards, which then begin to reform and spread out around the temple. So... Now they need to work on getting them all together. And Steven sees this as a way to like bring the group together. So he's like, let's form a secret team because they don't want Garnet to know that the the bubble popped and all these shards are loose. So they go through this big montage of Pearl and Amethyst getting along after arguing, popping out all these shards and getting them all back together and then having Steven rebubble it because it was in a rose quartz bubble so only Steven can bubble it once that's over uh Pearl and Amethyst are like okay that's it we're done no more secret team that's it but Steven wants the game to keep going and he keeps trying to get it to go but and then but Pearl and Amethyst are like no 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 no. I don't even know what secret team is that's completely preposterous blah 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 and Steven just wanted to have this fun keep going with with the family then goes to Garnet and tells her everything that happened tells her about the bubble tells her about secret team and how he feels really bad about it but and, and that's why he's telling her this so then Garnet decides to form her own super secret team with Steven to get Pearl and Amethyst to admit their faults and and you know uh, talk about how the talk about their differences and try to get them to get along. So they go back or so Steven goes back into Pearl's room and they're all talking and then all of a sudden these weird hands start coming out and grab Steven and I guess and, and it's t- to make them believe that they missed a shard. And so after the Hand continues to grab uh, Amethyst and Pearl, like they start freaking out because they can't break out of it. And then that's when they kind of like apologize to each other because they realize that it was both their faults as to why the bubble popped and everything. And then Garnet reveals herself. She was the Hand and then says, So you two can't get along unless you think I'm going to kill you. And then she and then Garnet gives her lesson of listen, we're a team. We're all on the same team. There is no secret teams involved in this. We are all one group and we have to stay together. We have to be honest with each other and open with one another. Otherwise, this whole group is going to fall apart. And thus ends the era of the secret teams.
0: See, you were able to do it. I knew you could do it.
2: I, have I was faith. forgetting some minute my new details, but I picked them back up.
1: It's Much something. like Steven's powers, it's all about confidence.
2: Confidence? What's that?
1: Yep. Having confidence in your powers so they can surface.
0: So you're saying he was impotent?
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> False. <laughs> but his confidence saw, saw him through. So he's very potent, might I say. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) So, Secret Team.
2: (laughs) Okay. Let's actually talk about the episode now and not myself.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, um, in terms of um, Secret Team, I think the main sort of theme that revolves around this episode is sort of this moment in which sort of siblings knew they know they had they did something wrong and they want to hide it from this sort of authority figure in the house. And when is that appropriate and when it isn't? Um and I think here we see sort of Pearl's relationship with amethyst. It's never sort of a good relationship. They never really get along. Mm -hmm. But something that they do share is that they're both sort of, while they love Garnet a lot and they're they're a family, they're both intimidated by the idea of how Garnet sort of deals with this sort of issues. And so they don't trust her to deal with the situation appropriately. So they feel that they have to do things sort of... um, Covertly.
0: I was thinking that um, this is one of those moments where, when we have siblings or we have small children, we kind of talk to them. Well, when we have small children, we can't. We kind of talk to them and say there are certain things that you don't want to keep uh, secrets from in families. Um, and this is a really good episode that teaches. That um certain secrets can hurt people. Um, you know, this is a, a, a situation in, that's not quite quite traumatizing, but can still, you know, they can all get hurt if these uh gem shards um actually get out get out of the of the temple. And this is the reason why they have to go rebubble everything. Um but instead of going to Garnet and saying, "Hey, we kind of messed up and we need help," re recapturing them, you know, they they were like, "We can handle this on our own." And sometimes, you know, it's good, um, showing a little bit of independence and saying, you know, what we can handle this on our own. But yeah, you're right. It's when is it okay for people to handle things on their own, and when is it okay for you to say, "Okay, we need some help," mm-hmm. um.
1: And owning up to your mistakes. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. But this one actually gives, um, and again, I like that whole thing where Rebecca Sugar is able to go like, okay, well, we can go so many different directions with these things. Um, But yeah, you can really go into the like, okay, you know, if you're going to watch this with a little kid, you can have that conversation with them and say, okay, you know, if you're watching this, there there were things that shouldn't be kept secret from mom and dad. You know, this is a really great conversation starter for families. Mm-hmm. Um, and being able to say, okay, you know, if you ever need help, mom, dad, um, is whoever the guardian is, is always there to help you because they care, um, love, support. Um, and I want to say sometimes it's not the guardian, sometimes it's an actual other authority, another authority figure. Um, and again, it's knowing when to go for help.
1: Yeah. And this is something that also has to be um, cultivated by the other party, mm-hmm. because while we have to own up to our mistakes and sort of learn to trust these uh, authority figures like our fathers or or, or parents, um, I'm guessing there's other situations in which, the garnet figure has not dealt with mistakes like this in a healthy manner, right? Maybe they get very verbally abusive or maybe even physically physically uh, um, abusive, mm-hmm. right? Um, whenever they, they learn that um, one of the kids, you know, broke a an urn or something like that when they were sort of playing hide and seek. And so they still expect their children to come up to them Every single time they make this sort of mistakes. But children learn early on that their reaction is, it does not sort of cultivate that sort of environment where you can trust your parents, right? So they have to hide it. Yeah. And where do you draw that line?
0: So, well, and but that's that's the other thing. We don't know from this episode, We and we don't know from the previous episodes mm-hmm. what Garnet's reaction to situations like this would be.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, in past episodes, have we seen Garnet blow up? Um,
1: no, due I. I Do due something think, like this? Yeah, Garnet has always had sort of like a cool, calm, and collected sort of um, attitude to her. I think she she does this thing where she's very strict and she can do she can pull off a death glare Mm -hmm. but other from that like um i don't think she she deals with these sort of situations uh wrongly per se so i think here the the responsibility should really lie on on pearl and amethyst
0: so then we'd have to talk about the other situation in this then Mm -hmm. perception yeah because now this is based completely on um, false perception or, um, you know, what Pearl and Amethyst think are going to happen. And we always say, you know, when there's a story, there's um, your, your version of the story, my version of the story, and, you know, another version of the story. And when we get those, all those versions of the story, we kind of get, to what the what really happened um you know and and unless we actually were sitting there videotaping the whole situation we won't even get the full truth because i'm emotionally vested in my in my truth you're emotionally invested in your truth and whoever else um is showing their version of the story is emotionally vested in their truth Mm -hmm. um but we would take apart the the similarities and the differences and say, okay, well, you guys have all this in common and these are all the differences and say, okay, well, um, based on this, we can say this is what we think happened. Um, so, you know, why is Pearl's and Amethyst's perception that Garnet is like that? You know, why is, so So the question is, is it Pearl's perception? Perception that amethyst, um, not amethyst. I'm sorry. That garnet is going to blow up, um, yeah. and the or truth is, it is amethyst? And and I think Mark, you need to jump in on this one because you're the one who actually remembers these episodes better than we do. <laughs>
2: well, okay, well, uh, well to kind of go off your point here, um, I feel like this is also, I I feel like it's more of a message towards the parents that are watching this to kind of help them like get a better sense of themselves and what their position of power is compared to their, their child. Because Mm -hmm. like, like Pearl and amethyst in terms of their perception of thinking that Garnet's going to completely blow things up and get completely mad at them and just go off on them, you know, in a, in a household where the parents like to establish like a, like a authoritarian sort of style of a parenting Mm -hmm. to a child if they mess something up and they they and they know like in the past with with getting in trouble that the parents can be a little either overreacting or they can be harsh in their punishments naturally of course they're going to want to try and hide it and take care of things themselves while not bringing it up and hoping that uh things will just slide Mm -hmm. so it's important for the parent to realize okay when is it okay to to be a stern parent and and but also making sure that they are a person that their child can go to and tell them hey look listen i messed up or this happened Mm -hmm. and 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 being able to recognize that okay they made a mistake and they need to learn from their mistake and and be punished accordingly Mm -hmm. but also be like okay Well, I'm proud of you because you came to me, you told me and you're taking responsibility for your actions or you're taking responsibility for something you did. Now, let's work on a solution to fix whatever it is that was broken to rep my reprimand anything that was, you know, any sort of tension that might have been caused between either siblings or uh, a peer at school or whatever the case might be. Mm hmm. So that's just my kind of two cents in terms of how their perception is. And and I think it's more Amethyst that believes that Garnet's completely going to blow up. Because I think it's Amethyst is the one that says, like, you know, we are so dead, Garnet is going to kill us. Okay. I don't think it's Pearl, because then Pearl immediately says, like, no, she's not going to know. And that's how Secret Team is formed. Yeah.
1: I think that... Their perspectives can be very different. And I really like what you say about in these sort of situations, it's very important for us to become a bit more self aware and to sort of assess our roles in the situation that happened. What is Garnet's role? Why don't they trust her? What, why don't, from pearls and amethyst point of view, why do they think Garnet will overreact? And is that an appropriate response? Is, is that something you can actually expect? Or is that you sort of blowing things up? And I think part of why Amethyst perhaps is the, most, the one that reacts the most, as you say, Mark, is because she is the one who gets the most criticism in the house, because she's the most laid back. And um, the one who has more trouble sort of working with responsibility and sort of rules, right?
0: Yeah, well, out of the three of them, isn't she the youngest? Yeah, so yeah, she is. I mean, so then and i and I, I hate to do it this way. Based on sibling um, so where siblings are in relationships. It would be... Pearl should be a mediator between Garnet and um, Amethyst. Mm -hmm. Because she would be the middle child. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Now now I'm a little bit confused on the timelines.
2: I feel (laughs) as though garnet is seen as more of the parental figure
0: i i i feel that
1: you know it's, a, it's in the a little context weird. of this episode
0: and yeah
2: yeah it, no i feel like in the context of even every episode up until this point like garnet is the one that they go to and parents are normally the one for a child that's who they turn to that's the first person they turn to that's, i mean
1: i think it it could also be that she's sort of the strength of the family. In some families, and in a more um, conservative, fami- uh, um, traditional families, there's this thing called the the pater familias, where usually the father had the sort of patriarchal role. That even if the mother had some power in in the family, mm-hmm. it, it was expected that sort of the the father had the most power, and it was gendered that way. And uh, even in in other alternative forms of families, you can sometimes see that sort of power structure where parents, they both have power over the child, but there might be one parent who takes more of the brunt of that responsibility. And I think that would be Garnet and throughout the series. Well, Wait, no, no yeah, I'm, so, so, I'm
0: trying so, to think about a family map on and and how it'd be done, and I'm like, because <sighs> Garnet would always be the head of the family
2: map. Yep. Yeah. That's why. That's why I say that Garnet is basically the head of household.
0: Yeah. yeah. See. So. All right. So there are several ways I would ha- so. In family therapy, there are several ways it would be handled in, in our situation because technically, no matter what, um, well, not technically, no matter what, Greg is Stephen's legal guardian. Greg is Stephen's parent. Um, and we would say that then, yes, um, the crystal gems would be considered either aunts or siblings, however we want to put it. So if we do the co-parent relationship, if we talk about it that way, um, Greg would be co-parenting with each gem, respectively. Um, But on most levels, it's usually with Garnet. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, do we really consider Greg a parent? Not really. His role is technically that of the provider. He sort of comes in just to say, "Okay, here I am, I'm the dad i I play no real role I you know the 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 weekend dad
1: mm-hmm. uh which would yeah the weekly sh- visitation, yeah, exactly
0: mm-hmm. um, so he can still show up as that role of provider um. And I'm sorry about all the ums, but I, I kind of think I'm, you know, speak and think on my feet. So, so in this situation, it's, it's one of those things where we would say, well, Greg would still be the father and he would be that, that role for, for Steven. so Garnet would, am I on a tangent? No. no. Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm glad. Continue with your tangent.
0: Okay. Thank you. <laughs> so Greg would be the Greg would technically be the head of household even though he doesn't live there cuz he would be the um he would be that the the legal guardian, the provider and then Garnet would be the co-parent with him. So she would be the actual parent, so she's the one who does sort of the disciplining and stuff like that. And then when Greg is not there because we always have the form of a triangle in families, she would also bring up Pearl to help her with raising Stephen. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. I think if there's anything we can learn from this (laughs) non-tangent is that... um (laughs) I'm, I'm so
0: sorry. I've been doing a lot of research lately, guys, and, yeah. and and working a lot more in my family therapy stuff. So,
1: and the 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 Crystal Gems family is a very very um, interesting and complex family where with very different power dynamics. And what what we can see here is that they represent so many alternate for- forms of family structures. Yeah. And, and they sort of exist at the same time. so and
0: and the roles of uh, of all the people in the family kind of are um are fluid, which is great. There are no uh, um, the boundaries are fluid, which are you know, which is what we want. We don't want those like really strict boundaries where everything is kind of rugged, and we can't go through things. Um And they're not diffuse. So, you know, it, it works well with the family. But when I get into these tangents, I I start picturing things and I start doing the, I really need to draw this out so I can see how it really works. And I don't have any paper or anything next to me. Because if I do, then I will start drawing it out. And I may actually not do the podcast because I'll be focused on that. Yeah. (laughs) But I may actually do that at some point and maybe put it up on the blog.
1: On the forum? No. (gasps) Okay.
0: (laughs) We have a website. Okay. (laughs) I'm trying to get more people to us.
2: Okay. Wait, we have a website? (laughs) Yeah. Shocker.
0: (laughs) I keep telling you to write a blog, like the both of you.
2: Um, Log. i'm sorry i just okay let's stores. go back to
0: this because i already took my tangent and yeah
2: yeah we're gonna <laughs> so- get too off topic for
1: this. <laughs> does anybody have anything else to say about secret team um
0: i don't think so because i i think that was our uh, the main focus of secret team was knowing the was uh garnet teaching them like sometimes secrets are not a good thing
1: yeah
0: and and i i kind of wish that garnet would have said to them you know what i'm proud that you guys were able to solve this problem without my help but it would have been better if you guys came to me and said hey by the way this is what happened but we were able to solve it um because in some situations in in a lot of situations and especially in life um we tend to come to people with a problem, but we don't come to them with a solution to a problem. We just come to them with a, with a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, And to to be able to say to Garnet, hey, we had a problem, but we were able to solve it, probably would have made her feel a little bit more trusting in them. And say, I don't have to feel like I have to watch them at all times. Yeah. But in saying we had a problem, we thought you were going to freak out, we went behind your back, and then we decided we weren't going to tell you until Steven thought this was a game and, you know, had to drag you back in. Yeah. You know, that makes Garnet feel like maybe I shouldn't trust you. Maybe I need to treat you more like kids still because you're still acting like kids.
1: Yeah. And you know what? Between the four of them, they could have had some free pizza, and that's that's just tragedy <laughs> right there.
0: That's the worst part about that. Yeah, they I lost could go the free, for a free
1: pizza. Pizza. I want free pizza.
0: I, I, I can't eat pizza. So, well, I could if it was gluten free, but
1: I'll eat your pizza, cat. Don't worry.
2: Okay. No, I already got dibs. <laughs>
1: you didn't though.
2: I called the mental dibs like twenty years ago.
1: Episode 30, Island Adventure. (laughs) And go.
2: Cut me off. Anyway. All right. So Island Adventure. um, This is one of those classic Lars and Sadie episodes. It starts off, I believe, at the Big Donut. And Lars and Sadie get into an argument about, you know, about work and everything. and, And they're constantly... Uh, stressed out because you know it's Sadie tends to do all the work at the Big Donut, and Lars is just kind of napping, but also being in the way. I did screw this up. I'm so sorry. I forgot the most the actual intro part. Um, the gem it, it actually starts off with the gems and Steven on this island, and they're looking for a gem monster, but. They can't find it. So they think maybe it went off the island and is somewhere else. So they decide to go back to the temple to just, you know, re- regroup and plan out and, and think of a way to find this this monster. That's when Steven goes to the Big Donut, comes across Lars and Sadie, and sees that they're fighting. And Steven thinks, hey, you know, why don't you guys take a little vacation? I know the perfect place. And then this is when Stephen takes them to the island that they were just at, that he was just at with the gems. And he's kind of showing them the island and showing them all this cool stuff. But Lars is just, isn't having it. Lars thinks it's completely stupid. And Sadie gets so upset at the fact that, you know, this is something that was supposed to be for the both of them to kind of relax and unwind and he is just making a big fuss out of things. Um that she's just kind of like off put by everything. And and she tries to enjoy it, but she's just also not really fully enjoying herself. So then as the day goes on, they finally need to decide Alright, that's it, I've had enough. Let's i laura says he wants to go home and he then can't find the warp pad and so they kind of look for the warp pad a little bit but then they realize that they can't find it and so steven not really fully understanding gem stuff thinks that maybe the warp pad just left i like get it, it moved somehow <laughs> and so now they're stuck on the island and so now Sadie, Lars, and Steven have to survive on this island. And Lars is kind of the chef that so he can kind of cook the food, but he's also, again, very reluctant. He's desperately trying to like get cell phone signals so he can find a way to get off the island. And Sadie's kind of like the muscles. She can collect the firewood. She can do the hunting and the and the fishing, I should say. And also kind of help build the the little tents that they that they do makeshift stuff of and steven's just kind of there he's just kind of being there for like moral support (laughs) and after a few nights of of them being stuck on this island and uh kind of learning to survive the land they kind of all kind of come together and lars kind of breaks down a little bit in front of sadie and they kind of share a nice little intimate moment. But then, out of nowhere, the monster that Steven and the Gents were looking for appears, and they realize that it's actually invisible. So, Lars starts freaking out, saying that he really, really wants to go home, and-, and Sadie at this point can't take it anymore. So, she decides to run over and she gets rid of the covering that she put over the warp pad. Done. Dun, dun. <laughs> so Lars gets upset because Sadie purposely hit the war pad, and then they get into another argument again. But then they are interrupted by the monster, which Sadie, uh, after the monster kind of knocks Lars down, or no, I think it's Sadie that knocks him down this little cliff. It's not that deep, and it fall, it's like a giant mud pit. But then the monster jumps down into the mud pit. And Sadie takes her trusty wooden spear and fights the the gem monster while Steven's kind of like rooting for her. And Sadie manages to pierce the monster and actually poof it, and then Steven comes down, bubbles it, and sends it away. And then they both, and then all three of them go home. And Lars kind of like thanking her for saving his life, but then she's just like, "Yeah, don't mention, don't mention it." And then they go back home.
1: So, Mark, you said earlier that this is one of your favorite episodes. So, what about this episode do you really like?
2: The freaking chemistry between Lars and Sadie is... I'm all about that romance. That angsty teen romance. Um, so we can kind of start it off by, I mean, like you can, obviously they're they're like the only real teenagers in this show. And you can tell that by working a part-time job and you can tell that their relationship is very strained. And and even in prior episodes, you see that Sadie does a lot of the work and Lars is kind of like the freeloader, but they still care about one another, but it's because it's an unbalanced relationship. This is where their tension comes in. And, and Stephen's just trying to be a mediator. He's trying to help them. Because St- Stephen can see that they're into each other. Even if they're not ready to admit that. And so... um, Stephen takes him to this island. To try to get them away from things. To kind of have them take in nature. And, and just take a break from, from reality. Take a break from Beach City. And... Have some time for themselves. It, only, it isn't until they spend a few nights on the island after Sadie hides the warp pad. And they are learning to survive. That they learn to start getting along. Where Lars can, can cook up these fish. Sadie is able to efficiently hunt. Or, or fish I should say. And like the, their chemistry starts to bloom again. Like they 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 learn to come together in harmony. Uh, they they start cuddling. It, it it's adorable. It's absolutely adorable. But then it, get towards the end, you're hit with that that ever pressing reality, where it, it's what Lars kind of says after he's still trying to get service to get off the island, but he gets so frustrated at the fact that they're not. That he can't get anything. That he chucks his phone into into the ocean. And Sadie's kind of there trying to talk to him. And this is where she starts feeling bad. Because she's keeping him on this island. Despite thinking that it's what's best for him. Because Lars needed this. As well as Sadie. But I feel like she was kind of... She was interpreting things and trying to do things for him. Even if it's not exactly what he wanted,
1: yeah. But, or maybe what he even needs.
2: Exactly. Maybe maybe it's not. Maybe he needs it, but he didn't need it in this way. He needed it like in a different way. Mm-hmm. But then I, we're kind of hit with that. We're kind of come back from re- to reality after this like little dream montage of them all of them getting along and and surviving on the island, where uh, Lars turns to Sadie. After like grabbing her hand and like kind of like caressing it with, with his thumb. And he asks her, like, do you ever get lonely even when you're around people? And and then they he pulls her in for a kiss. But um
1: Steven is there just being a creep. Exactly. <laughs> and singing, um
2: Steven's just a creeper.
1: Yeah. Um just let yourself just be wherever you are
2: exactly we'll get to the song later okay. uh, but it, it, it's it's in this moment where like, it, it's it's where we kind of examine that even though things seem all fine and dandy on the island and, and they're able to survive and, and live it's not it's still not right it's still it doesn't mean that everything's okay yeah. and that Lars himself Despite being with Sadie. Despite being with Steven. And I feel like even back in Beach City. Even though he's surrounded by people. All the time. He still feels alone. And that this is where. You see. uh, This sense of. Self-doubt. Where Lars is doubting. Himself. He doubts his ability to be friends. He doubts his friendships. At least this is what I'm picking up just from this and and based on prior episodes where I feel like Lars kind of doubts himself all the time. He doubts that the friends that he has aren't real. And so therefore he, he purposely isolates himself even when he has to be around people and interacts with people. He puts these barriers around himself that prevent people from coming in. And this is where... On the inside, he feels really alone. He feels like there's nobody there. But Sadie is the first person to kind of start breaking down the wall and kind of sticking her hand through the hole that she made. But she's not fully there yet. Yeah. And it isn't until... And, 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 uh, like So like this is where you see the gradual relationship between the two mature... And start progressing in some in some sense, whether it's a romantic friend, uh, romantic relationship or a deeper bond as friends. It's kind of hard to say because even though, yeah, Lars, like, they cuddled and, you know, Lars, like, kisses her and everything. It, it, I feel like it's more of, like, a, a survival thing. And not necessarily yeah. the kissing part, but it, it's more of, like, that, like, primitive state of mind that they're kind of resorting themselves to. Because now they're they're isolated on an island that has no contact with the outside world, and there's no way off of it, at least, and and a re- like a, that's like reasonable for them,
1: and that's bound to just bring up a lot of emotions.
2: Exactly, like it's just an overflow of emotions between the two, and more so in Lars, that like he probably has spent a good deal of time kind of pushing down and and pushing off to the side to not deal with or to not feel because he wants to put up this cool kid attitude, even though it's not really him.
1: I really, I really love this episode because of our sort of Lars's own character arc throughout the episode. And I think we have one of the main things in this episode is, the difference between what you think you need and what you actually need. And the way I sort of think about it is, in the beginning of the episode, the reason why they go to the island is because after Lars has that sort of spat with Sadie, he says, you know, I want to be somewhere else. I don't want to be here anymore. And so Stephen interprets that as, you know, everything will be fixed once we go on vacation. And so they go on vacation, which turns out to be sort of a forced vacation because they can't come out of it, which already is something that is bound to make just anyone uncomfortable. But what you actually sort of learn throughout the episode, and we sort of learn to understand from Lars is that his issue is not necessarily that um he needs a vacation but rather that his the way he conceptualizes his his sort of his work environment is not something that's healthy for him perhaps he's he's in a position where he does he's not happy in his own skin and that also works when he says You know, do you ever feel like you, um, what was it that he says about loneliness?
2: Uh, Do you ever feel lonely even when you're around people? Um,
1: In this case, I I feel like Lars constantly feels lonely throughout his life. Even when he's with Sadie, even when he's with um, the other teens, with Kiki and Puck and everybody else. Because, not because he's, um, not surrounded by people, but perhaps because he has those barriers, as you said, that sort of keep him from actually enjoying that part. And when he's in this island for that brief period of time, he couldn't have those barriers because um, there was sort of no other alternative but to accept Sadie and Stephen as they were in this island. If that made any sense.
2: No, that I mean that's you're you. It's kind of just building off kind of what I was saying earlier, where I feel like Lars has like these walls around him on the inside, like around his heart, essentially, that is preventing others from coming in and and providing him with the, this this sense of not being alone anymore. Mm-hmm. But it's because of this forced vacation that the walls have become weakened and that's, this allows more Sadie than Steven to kind of start chipping away at it and start making like a a small hole that she can kind of start weaseling her way through to, to really be there for him and have him not feel so alone anymore.
1: Yeah. So, um, how do we feel about Sadie per se, her actions in the episode sort of, Forcing Stephen and Lars to stay in that island for Lars's own good, from her perspective,
2: it was totally unsady like. Get it, like unladylike, but unsady like. Ah ha! Ah, ah, I'll see myself out. <laughs> that was hilarious. Taught sure. by your generous laughter, huh?
0: So i'm gonna go against so i actually kind of like this episode
2: Mm
0: -hmm. um there's there's a a there's movement in the whole like lars isn't completely a jerk um he's still very selfish um but you can see he does have very low Mm self-esteem um and he is completely controlled by his phone. Um, and A I'm wondering, teenager isn't? Yeah, and I'm wondering if he's completely controlled by his uh, if if he's completely controlled by social media also. Um, I think
1: I think Lars is very avoidant. I think every time he finds himself in a situation that he emotionally can't handle or he he doesn't sort of trust people around him, he'll find a way to sort of run away from that situation, whether it's in his phone or whether it's sort of diverting blame or something like that. He's somebody that um, finds it really hard to sit with um, difficult emotions. So he lashes out or he runs away very quickly.
0: So now, but so my 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 whole so knowing about Lars, Sadie, and Stephen, there's several components I have to think about with this. It's the, the great thing about this whole episode is there's a there's a role reversal in this. Um, in this role reversal, we see um, Lars taking up the more what we would say, female roles of cooking, um, where Sadie takes up the more male male or masculine roles of, you know, Mm -hmm. hunting-gathering, which she does the fishing. So that's a very kind of fun aspect to look at, but now there's also the negative aspect of it, because in this whole thing... Lars has been kind of an asshole to Sadie the whole time and he knows Sadie likes her. He uh I'm sorry, he knows Sadie likes him. And he kind of uses that against Sadie. So um like when he wanted that video game, he you know he he used Sadie to get it for him. Um and then when he got injured, same same episode, he used the fact that Sadie likes him so much to kind of get out of working and then went to go hang out with other people. So sort of like, I'm going to, you know, tell the f- girl that I know likes me that I can't hang out with her now. So I can go hang out with a girl that I like, you know, it, mm-hmm. sort, of, sort of same concept. But now we have sort of a flip situation. Sadie is now the one sort of manipulating things psychologically because she has the knowledge of where the warp pad is. She's the one who hit it. So now she's kind of holding both Stephen and Lars against their will, more more Lars than Stephen. She knows Lars really wants to go home. But again, um, in that more masculine um, ideal, Well, this is good for him, um, because I know how stressed he's been and he'll, you know, he'll be upset at first, but he'll be really thankful later on when he realizes how stressed he's been and he gets to, like, have a good time here. We get to have this little vacation, you know, he gets to get, take a little bit of time off, you know, she's making the decisions without him, um, and saying she's doing it for his own good, there, there's that slight uh, patronizing tone.
1: Yeah, and I what, think there's there might be an ulterior motive, right? Oh, there's Where's definitely
0: an ulterior motive in that one. Um, she's
1: trying to sort of handcuff herself to him.
0: Yes. Um, and when it comes to false imprisonment, which this is what this is, there's always that alter, ulterior motive. So in this one... Um, ultimately, Lars does end up kissing Sadie and they end up snuggling and getting, um, physically close, which is what Sadie wanted, which is what we would say with, um, with false imprisonment is what the captor wants. He wants that, well, and I'm only saying he, because most people who do false imprisonment... The uh, the victim is usually female and the perpetrator is usually male, so um he usually does it for sexual acts. So in this per- in this moment, sexual act as in kissing.
1: Yeah, and this is something that actually Lars mentions later on when he realizes that Sadie um, hid the warp pad, and he says, "You know, you just fooled me to take." advantage of me and she starts hitting him and saying like you know you kissed me on the mouth you did this and that and that's something i personally did not particularly appreciate from Sadie
0: That's um, victim blaming
1: Exactly because what <laughs> she what she didn't realize at <laughs> this moment is that you know he did this under completely different circumstances and it it was in a in a sort of circumstance where he was you know, in a deserted island, there were these emotions that she um, manipulated and that she sort of orchestrated, but it's not what would have genuinely happened if she wouldn't have done those things and fooled him in that manner. And so, yeah, she she definitely victim blames him.
0: Yeah, so this is, you know, and this is that scenario. So, you know, I, I really loved that we were able to see that whole whole scenario play out um, because we get to see sort of like a little bit of gaslighting. Um, did we talk about gaslighting in, in, in a previous episode?
1: Define it for new listeners.
0: So, <laughs> oh, wow. I actually have to look that up because I don't remember it too much off the top of my head. So gaslighting is pretty much when you're in a relationship with... Someone who's somewhat uh, psychologically, well, who's psychologically abusive um, and is, they sit there, they tell you some nice things at first and then they start putting you down. um They'll start putting you down physically, they'll start putting you down um, emotionally and then they come back and they try to pick you back up, trying to say, oh, you know, I was in a bad, I was having a bad day. It was a bad mood. Um, So that whole abuse cycle. um, Oh my God. Gaslighting is just one of those topics that it's just like, it's, it's a new term. So I'm still just.
1: Yeah. So gaslighting um, is when, uh, uh, according to. Psychological
0: manipulation.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's when you manipulate someone by um, psychological means into questioning their own sanity or right, and to questioning their own reality. in this case, it would be Lara saying like you took advantage of me and her saying like, no, you did that yourself um and sort of trying to convince him that he he is in the wrong and sort of trying to attribute all the the blame towards him.
2: And I think this is where it's kind of helpful to to realize that, their relationship is still something that has a lot of issues that there's still a lot of things in regards to the relationship between Lars and Sadie that needs to be worked on. And while Lars has shown quite a few qualities that, uh, are problematic in, in, in some one way or another, that it's also, it's not just Lars that Sadie also has some issues and, and has her own things that make, that she brings to the table that make their relationship problematic or that makes it unstable. Like it is showing, I feel like this episode shows that their relationship is more complex
1: than one might think.
2: Exactly. Like it's not one of those typical, like, Oh, like they tease each other. Like he acts like he doesn't care, but they all they actually really are deeply in love with each other. Like it's not one of those things. It's, Okay. Well, it kind of is, but <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a more three dimensional version of that.
2: Yeah, I fe- it's showing the more the more, it's showing a, a more of a realistic approach to to the actual dynamic.
0: And 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 everybody, I don't want you to feel like this is actually what a real relationship is, because this is not what a real relationship is. If you ever get into a relationship where somebody's like, "I'm going to take you away for your own good," run away. Run away as fast as you can because that's a first sign of abuse. Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) Doesn't matter if they suggest say that they're taking you to Disneyland, you run away.
0: (laughs) Like, be in a relationship with them for a while before you say, oh, yeah, I'm going to go away with them. Like, don't, like, run away with them right off the
1: bat. (laughs) Yeah. And I think uh, the most important part is the against your will. Yes. (laughs) Um, Which is very sort of important. Um, When I I sort of wanted to mention this, the moment when- Well, it wasn't
0: really, it wasn't against their will to begin with, because they went with Stephen willingly.
1: But they didn't stay.
0: The the staying was against their will. And that was, yeah. And that's where where Sadie kind of effed up.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Because, you know- and this is where I'm just like, Stephen, like, seriously, you need yeah, to stop Steve- having <laughs> having the, the that, like, wait, where did I put this?
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to mention was Lars. The moment when he sort of breaks down those walls at the beginning is when Sadie sort of recognizes him for his skill in cooking and i believe this this might be partly because sort of lars is used to being criticized because he does a lot of things that are not particularly right and that i think that's part of why he doesn't sort of believe that he is that he has friends even if he's accompanied by people because um when all they do generally is sort of criticize you for your behavior It can be really hard for you to conceptualize, um, like, yeah, I'm comfortable in this place. I don't feel alone. And uh, the moment when Sadie sort of compliments him on his cooking, I think is one of the first times we actually see Sadie sort of compliment um, Lars on anything. And that's one of the first moments where we see him really sort of um, break down his walls or at least lower them.
2: So is, is, is there anything else that you guys wanted to talk about in terms of uh, the, what is it? I can't even remember what the episode's called. Island Adventure.
1: <laughs> Island Adventure. Does anybody want to talk about the musical number?
0: No. Okay.
2: <laughs> well, the musical number in and of itself is really just kind of highlighting that idea of just letting go mm-hmm like like elsa let it go where it's just kind of like you know be in the moment is is what it is be be yourself and be in the moment that's really what the song is trying to to come across and it really feels like even though this is just a song that steven is singing to both lars and sadie it's really a song meant for lars because lars is someone who isn't normally himself that um that typically tries to put up a front and act like somebody he isn't, and he's always thinking about his next move. He's not really thinking about being in the moment and, and being aware of what's going on around him. Like yeah. he's trying to think ahead to think, okay, what are they going to think is cool? What are they going to like? What is something that I could say that that might make me seem cooler than I actually than I actually feel like I am? And so this song, you know, it, it it's really highlighting those those ideals of you know just be whoever you are and you know just look at everything look at everything around you look at look at the way your facial expressions are there's like take a second to really look at things that are going on around you at this very moment and just be aware of it be in the moment
1: yeah and i think This is one of the first times during the series where we have a musical number or an episode that addresses um, mindfulness, right? The very concept of there's a lot of thoughts that we have sort of revolving around our minds, um, anxious thoughts, angry thoughts about the things that um, happen in our day-to-day lives. And sometimes it's good to just sit and... Just take in the atmosphere, learn, just look at the weather, just let yourself be wherever you are without all the baggage. Just put your bag down for a second and just breathe in the air and just be there, be in the moment.
2: Exactly. So, like, yeah, this is one of those, I feel like this is one of the first songs in the series that like. Is actually driving home a very important point. Yeah. And lesson.
1: So, there you have it, audience. Just let yourself
2: be wherever you are. That's hard. It is hard. But it's not impossible. No. And we believe in you, <laughs> all of you.
1: All right. Especially you, the one who's
2: listening. You know who you are.
0: That person yeah. in the third row.
2: Yeah, we're talking to you. <laughs> yeah.
1: You in the car, or just walking, or doing chores?
0: Okay, so
2: <laughs> I think that's going to kind of wrap it up for this for this episode. Take Thank us away, you, John.
0: everyone, for uh, listening. All right. All right. Go, John.
1: Thanks, everyone, for listening to our podcast. Um, you can reach us all on Twitter. Our handles are in the comments. If you have any questions or any suggestions for a possible future special episode that might, you know, um, give us the opportunity to speak about Steven Universe outside of our current time frame, so we could discuss things on um, future seasons, and you can take that load off our minds, please. Anyone? Well, you can do that at the (laughs) Geek Therapy Forum, and uh, that link is in the comments. In the show notes. notes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? Did I miss something?
2: How about if they want to just chat with us on a day-to-day basis? Like, where do we spend most of our time chatting up a storm?
1: Well, Uh, I'm going to give you Mark's phone number. You can join us on the
0: Geek Therapy Discord. We do not turn anybody away. Um, And that link will also be in the show notes.
1: There's a lot of discussion and we would welcome you with open arms. All right. Thanks for listening.
0: (laughs) All right. So good night, everyone.
1: Goodbye. We'll see you all next time.